to Desk with Lady Ada. Hey everybody and welcome to my desk. It is another Sunday night or weekend night. It's me, Lady Ada, here at my desk working on some electronics. I'm going to talk about some electronics design and more with me, Mr. Lady Ada. Hello. Over there on camera control. Any news or updates you want to peep to people? No. Let's right. just uh, jump right in. Yeah. No, sure. news, no news is good news. No news is good news. That's All right. So... Let's go to the overhead. So I finally, finally, finally finished my UPDI uh, programming code um, for standalone programming. So UPDI is, is, I don't know what it stands for, probably Universal Programming Debug Interface or something. It's from uh, Microchip and it's for the latest ATtiny um, at Mega chips as well. It's their programming interface. Um, yeah, actually, I don't have an Arduino uno with me but the traditional way that arduinos were programmed is through a six pin interface um the isp six pin uh, clock data in data out reset interface and um, their new chips are programmed with a one pin interface it's a uh, asynchronous sorry it's a synchronous uart so it's one pin and it's uh uart received and transmitted and automatically switches, you know, it's usually receive mode. After it receives a command, it goes into output mode, sends the data over that same line, and then goes back into receive mode, um, which means you only need to use one pin. And it's also shared with the reset line um, for some pins, for some chips. And so uh, you could use it for high voltage programming or low voltage, you know, whatever. And um, it's, a, it's a nice interface because I feel like they kind of figured out like, oh, instead of this three pin interface, which requires, again, three pins, and it's you know, so you have to have a special adapter. Um, because this is UART, um, you can actually uh, put together a programming interface using just a uh, FTDI cable. You know, you have the FTDI cable, and on the end, you know, you have the, the power ground data in, data out wires. And then all you have to do is put one resistor between the TX line and um, the serial input pin. So this is TX to resistor to UPDI, and this is the RX line because that way your transmission isn't overwritten by the chip's transmission line. It just gives you like a little bit of a, you know, it gives you some softness to that line so it um, doesn't overdrive the uh, synchronous one pin UART. Um, so that's cool, um, but you know, again, even though you can program it with a, a you know, $5 uh, serial USB to serial cable, I do want to have um, the ability to program these chips from another microcontroller. Why? Because it lets me build test jigs very easily. Um, the uh, chip itself, um, you know, I don't want to have a computer involved in the test procedure because anytime you have a computer involved, there's like operating system updates and like people get locked out and, and like the computer needs to reboot and like maybe they don't have a power plug, whatever. It's, it's annoying and they have to type things in. It's better to have a microcontroller do it because then you can put a single button on the micro press the button, it programs the chip for you, and then you know, it, can, it can beep or buzz or light up a LED or OLED to tell you that the uh, chip has been programmed or something went wrong, it'll, it'll give you an error message. Um, so this is the breakout that I designed. So this, it's so small, but this is an ATtiny H17, and I brought all the GPIO pins out. Uh, it's got two stomach UT pins because I'm using this as a um, I squared C to whatever adapter. Um, you can see that there's a power LED, it's green, and then there's a red LED that's a blink program that's running on it because that's what I've been programming it with. And then um, over on the computer, uh, you know, I have the uh, UPDI code, which is part of, um, let me go to GitHub and I'll show off. It's in a branch 
called UPDI over on AVR Prog. Um, you know, have added the two files for UPDI Prog C++ and .h. It's from AVR Prog Master. AVR. It's from another person's project. I've basically adapted them. I'll give them credit because it's a it's an open source license. But now it's just Arduino friendly, um, so that I can have uh, images. What I want to program into the chip, I, I store it basically in a header or C++ file. So this is just the hex. Like literally, like I just copy and paste it into um, the C++ file, and then I can uh, write that image using uh, avrprog.writeimage after I've connected and verified that the UPDI target is the chip I want. So, what does that look like? Let me reset this board, and then. This is this is kind of going, but I'll, I'll scroll up to the top. Um, so it, it starts the program mode, verify that it sees a chip, it erases the chip, and then it writes pages. So uh, memory on microcontrollers is stored in flash pages. Um, you don't write one byte at a time uh, like EEPROM. You usually write a page, and that you know helps because for the most part. You have to do this kind of a write, erase, write cycle for flash memory. It's kind of it takes time, and you have to get this voltage, you know, up this this 12 volt internal voltage, and so you don't want to do one byte at a time because it'll take too long. You really want to do like 32, 64, 128 bytes at a time. Um, usually, pages are between eight and 128 bytes. You basically have to write one page at a time. Not a big deal. If you're writing flash memory, usually you're actually erasing the whole thing and then writing it all at once. Um, so this flashes uh, 64 bytes at a time, and it goes through, and um, it writes the memory. One thing that is interesting is um, you see that the first address it writes to is actually uh, 8,000 uh, hex. That's because um, even, which is actually kind of nice, old AVR chips, program memory, you know, was at, started at address zero, and program memory and RAM memory were totally separate. Like, there's no, they were completely different um, memory interfaces, which is why you had like special prog mem um, uh, uh, words that you had to put into the compiler if you wanted to read from flash or write, you know, if you want to store data in flash memory, you'd have to use like read prog memory word or whatever for AVRs because address zero in RAM and address zero in flash, you know, you had to tell it whether you're, you wanted that data from RAM or from flash. What's cool is, you know, if you're used to Cortex chips, on the other hand, or pretty much anything other than these old ABRs, um, your memory is like, you know, 32 bits or 16 bits or whatever, or 32 bits usually, and you have one address space for everything. So your flash memory would start, you know, your RAM maybe is in the first chunk, and then you have some user pages maybe, and then you have um, your, your interrupt stuff, and then you'd have flash memory, and then you'd have your peripherals, and it's like one... If you look at like the, the data sheet for a, a SAMD21 or something, it, it'll have the address locations of all the peripherals. And it's like, it is one big memory space, which is cool because you don't have to do this like weird, like, oh, I'm, I'm going into the peripheral address memory and I'm going to the RAM memory, I'm going to flash memory. So that's why it starts at, but long story short, that's why it starts at 8,000. Um, I, only, I only lost about 20 minutes uh, on that. Um, luckily, the, the code that I'm adapting had a little variable called flash start. And I was like, and then I also compared the output from programming with a USB serial cable versus my code. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm writing to the wrong location in memory. 
and um, that's how I kind of discovered this offset thing. So once I fix the offset, um, you know, I'm good to go. I write all the pages. And then uh, when I read, um, you don't have to read in pages. Uh, you only have to write in pages. And so when I read memory, I'm reading, instead of 64 bytes, I'm reading 256 bytes. Why? It's four times faster because it's, you know, you don't do this whole setup, get the chip into the right situation, and then, and then read the data. Um, one other thing that's kind of interesting about uh, this, uh, hold on, let me see if I can open up. You know, this is kind of what, if you have the debug output on, this is what it looks like. What I think is kind of interesting is that um, it, it actually, there's like a sub-assembly language, like basically UPDI, you're, you're actually sending commands to um, the chip, like store and load and repeat there's like a, an, an assembly language that you program it with and so um, there are commands you use but you can also kind of craft together little programs um, to perform functions to read and write data and so you can you can speed things up again because you, if you want to write um, a, a page you tell it okay you know i want to uh, write data to this address and i want you to repeat it 64 times and you can like kind of bang out the data instead of writing one byte at a time to the pointer, um, which is what you would do with uh, AVR ISP. And it's, it's just like a detail if you've ever written a low-level program or you're, this is kind of nice. I see what they're doing here. Although you really need to have the, the command list ready, like because it isn't just like one command that does a bunch of stuff for you. It's like all these load and stores. Um, it, it's definitely something I'm glad I didn't have to write this from scratch. I only had to, to adapt it. So. That's that. How are we doing on ten minutes? Okay, so I thought really fast. Well, first of all, there are questions. And, yeah, you're good. Okay, great. I thought really fast. I would um, put together a uh, a tester for this. So uh, this is oh sorry, Portaprog was the uh, program that um, I I used to get the UPDI code. They did an amazing job. Thank you, person who did this. Who I can't remember off the top of my head. Who it is? But they're wonderful. Thank you. Uh, open source to the rescue. Um, now the code is available in Arduino. So you can use it with an Arduino. Okay, so this is the breakout. And one thing is, you know, like I mentioned, you, you, you program it with this asynchronous UR and you do want to program it pretty fast. Like you don't want to use, it does autobot detection. Every byte, every command starts with the, the byte 0x55, which is a, a square wave in UR. It's like 0101010001. And so um, it does auto-baud because it's looking for that 55, and, and so it knows what, what the baud rate is by measuring the time between each pulse. However, you don't want to run it slow. You want to run it 115.2K. We might be a little faster, although that's kind of the standard baud rate. And so um, one thing to note about this is I have been able to program small chips, like an ATtiny85 or, or even just a bootloader, using an Arduino Uno or compatible to, to program the board, but I won't be able to do that with these chips because the Uno doesn't have an extra hardware UART. That hardware UART is used for debugging. I, I, can't, I can't use that um, for um, programming this chip. So the programmer has to be something like a Metro M0 or M4 because that will have a spare um, hardware UART that's not used for programming and debugging. Like, you can use software serial, and believe me, I wrote software serial, so I, I know it is kind of sort of possible to do, but it's a little flaky. It's not worth the hassle. I'm just going to update this instead of using a Arduino Uno to be the program test to, to use a Metro M0 instead. 
Uh, so this is the board. And so I want to make a little test jig, something that um, this plugs onto. Now, it is a little annoying that this doesn't have holes in it, but you know, I think we can make a little plastic cutout maybe uh, instead. So I'm going to go to Other Mill, which is where I, I, I live, my, uh, my testers live. Um, so I'm going to make a new one. So this is going to be PID XXX because I don't know the part number yet. So this is the ATTINY8X7 breakout. Okay, so what I do then is I'm going to grab the board files and, and paste them here. So I've got another copy of the board files. And I'm now editing a copy, not the original. And uh, first off, just to make sure I, I remember, I'm going to delete all the lines. Um, and then in the schematic, I'm going to... I'm going to keep the headers because those are useful, but I'm going to delete the Stemma QT connectors because I do not need those. I also don't need the regulators or the pull-ups. I'm going to leave the chip for the very moment, but I will delete that shortly. Only The only reason I want the chip is, is I'll, I'll show in a minute why, but um, I'd like to keep the chip here. Also note that the pins are not totally... Uh, they're not totally in order, like it starts 0, 1, 2, 3, and then kind of skips a bunch, and then 7, 6, 5 goes the opposite way, um, and then 3, 2, 1, and then it kind of goes sort of in order. So just, and this is that programming pin, UPDI. Also note it's a reset pin, so this is a, a dual purpose pin. Um, okay, so then what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, add a shield layout. So again, I like to use... Arduino compatible shields as the brains for my testers because if the board gets broken and they, they do die, it's really easy to get another one. I don't like to do fully custom boards. A little shield thing is, is not too bad. So I'm going to find a R3 B place. I think this is good. I do not need the two by three header. So great. Now I've got an Arduino layout here. Okay. So uh, one thing is I'm definitely going to want to test the uh, I squared. So I'm going to use I squared C to connect to this. So I want this SCL SDA to connect to my test brains SCL SDA. So I'm going to tie these together. Cool beans. Um, Okay, next up, uh, there's that UPDI pin. Remember, I have to use the hardware UART to connect to this. So I'm going to go over here. Okay. And um, I'm going to use the hardware UART. And of course, I cannot remember whether it's RX or TX. So I'm just going to put, well, I'm going to put a 1K resistor on both. And then I don't know, I'll figure out. I'll figure out later which is the RX and which is the TX. If you're if you're worried you're going to get them wrong, because you will, just make it so it doesn't matter. There you go. See? No problem. Whichever one is the correct one, I'll put the 1K resistor. The other one, I'll put a 0 ohm resistor. And then I get my problem solved. And I don't have to think about it. Okay. Isn't that nice? No resistor, no problem. No resistor, no problem. Okay, so next I have to power the board. And um, Usually, I would power the board directly from the 5-volt on the microcontroller. However, I've noticed that UPDI, like, because this chip, the UPDI is shared with reset, you're, you kind of want to just do a hard, sometimes you want to hard reset the board, which means you really want to, like, power it off, power it on. So I do want to um, 
power the VCC, I'm going to connect it to um, one of the uh, GPIOs. And it's, that will power the, the, the board and then that will, um, that'll be good to go. Okay, so here we are. Why is this purple? This is on B, okay, that's fine. So then let me get rid of this ground plane. Let me get rid of all this B place stuff. this and then let's go back to commons okay this is fine I'm also going to make sure this is in dimension layer so I'm going to change this to be T place great so next well this looks like it kind of lines up a little bit like this look at these these uh, SCL SDA so let me put this like right here one thing, ooh, this is annoying. I don't like when this happens. VN connects automatically to VN because they have the same name. I hate that. Um, so I'm going to quickly remove this. Okay, great. So that's a cut can't anymore. Um, okay, so the next question is how to test all of the pins. Well, um, what I'm probably going to do is I'm going to have it like self test, which means that, you know, I'm going to program it with firmware and then it will compare whether pins are connected. And the way I do that is I connect alternating pins. And then in the code, I put one pin high and I check that it, the other one's high and then I pull it low and check that it's low. And as long as the pins are alternating, um, I'll catch shorted pins because if, if I pull one high and any of the other GPIO pins are pulled high, I know that it, it's shorted together. So basically the point is, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm skipping every other set, um, other than, of course, the power pins. And um, I want to make sure that they're not, since this is the thing that's likely to be shorted, I just have to make sure that it doesn't uh, connect between um, two shorted pins. So thankfully, I kind of split it out in a way that it's um, not, there's no, all, all pins that are next to each other are next to each other here. So it looks like TXD, I'll connect to 7, RXD, I'll connect to 6. So let's do that. So SCL and SDA, I'm not going to touch because of course those are connected to the microcontroller. And then I like to rename this, you know, the, a, a double of the, whatever the name is, I, I kind of put both pins in there. So this is three and five, and then I'm gonna call this three underscore five, and this is 20 and two. And I'm going to call this 22. Oh, and then unfortunately, sometimes this happens, I have like two left. So I kind of have to, uh, I back up and I, I connect this one to here. So now I definitely don't have any that are next to each other. Because again, I wouldn't be able to detect if they're shorted, if they're next to each other, because I'm shorting them here. So this is zero, two. Okay, cool. And then this here anymore. Uh, I start connecting the uh, pads together and I'm going to use nice chunky traces. Super chunky. 
Cool. And then this goes here. All right, half done. Not too bad. For this one, I'm going to uh, I use the bottom. Oops. Okay, cool. Um, okay, next up is the UPDI pins. Let's do that. I'm going to change these to be chunkier. Let's make these 12 of sixes so they're nice and easy to solder. Okay, cool. Good, it's time for oh, great search. It's definitely for great search. Okay, so I'll wrap this up, um, but that's the start, and then um, I'll do the same on the other side, alternate, and then I'll connect the VCC to um, one of the GPIO pins, and um, that way I'll be able to, to power it on, program it, and then have it perform a self-test, and then I program it with the final firmware, and uh, we're good to go. So that's, that's me starting a tester. Maybe I'll finish it next time. Bye-bye. Okay, cool. All right. All right, let's do the great search. Let's do the great search. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with DJ Key. The great search brought to you by DigiKey. Thanks, DigiKey. And Adafruit. Bleedy uses her power of engineering, smarts, and more to search the DigiKey site to find something you might need. We might need. Yes. Someone might need. What is this week's? Great search. Okay, so let's go to the computer. All right, not surprisingly, this week's great search is about a product that is not available, a product mm. you can't get, and how are we gonna find a replacement? So uh, for a lot of boards that we've made, um, you know, boards with um, AVR chips, boards with espressive chips, they do not have native USB. They have native UART, and uh, the UART is how you program them, and the UART is how you debug them, and, and how you can send data to a computer and such. Um, again, we love native USB, but a lot of chips still don't have them. Lower cost chips particularly don't have a uh, USB core attached. And so you'll see on a board like this, this is the main processor chip, the uh, Atmega 328, our very favorite. And then over here, this chip, as you can see, this is a USB port. This chip converts the USB from here to UART to communicate with um, the uh, microcontroller there. So two separate chips. Um, We've been using USB to UART chips for easily 20 years. I mean, I think we started with the FT232BL, which we actually put some in the store recently because we, we found half a reel. And um, they are pretty much an essential part. Now, you can use a microcontroller and program it to become a USB to UART converter, but we, we really just sort of prefer to use an off-the-shelf one. We find that they can um, handle baud rates much better. They often have um, modem control pans. They can light up LEDs. They, they can have, uh, you know, a lot more capabilities, and I think they're a lot more um, reliable and rugged. I've sort of, I've liked them a little bit more. Um, so that said, uh, the chip that we've used a lot recently is the CP, CP2104 from Scilabs. A lovely USB to UART chip, inexpensive, easy to use, doesn't require crystal, um, doesn't require a lot of components, very plug and play, and works up to like two or three megabaud, which is really fast, good, especially if you have uh, ESP32 chips, because those, they are very large chips, and if you want to program them, you want to push that data out as quickly as possible. So um, 
lovely. It's a CP2104. So I was like, oh, you know, let's buy some more CP2104s. And then I'm like, let's go over here. And then like, okay, let's, okay, they're not in stock, but maybe I can back order them. And it now says not recommended for new design. NRND. That's yeah. what NRND. Yeah, I know. NRND. It's not end of line, but it's kind of the like, you know, the the best <laughs> by date is is approaching quickly, right? This is this is they're still available. You can still buy them, but not recommended for new designs. You can still maintain old designs, but please don't design this in. We can't really stop you, but you're going to be sad because this is going to be um, discontinued shortly. Um, why does this happen? Um, even for a chip as popular as this, I think it's actually because they, they really do want to push people towards maybe a cheaper process, um, or they've, there's a little bit of bugs or, or improvements that they want to make and they kind of want to, to shift you over. Again, still can get this, but not recommended for new designs. So the question is, what do we do instead? So let's look at, you know, if we're going to, you know, and I, of course I contacted, you know, Scilabs so was like, oh, do you have like a drop-in replacement? And they said, no, we don't. We have this other chip. It's not a drop-in. It's very similar. Um, but I was like, well, you know what? Might, might as well look to see if there's any other chips just in case I'm kind of missing out um, and see what, what the market is because there's a couple different companies that make USB to UART chips. Um, so let's go to interface controllers. And uh, because, of course, we're doing a new design, we want only active stuff not NRND, and um, we want a particular function. The function we want is a bridge that is USB to UART. Note that there are like USB to Ethernet, USB to FIFO, USB to I2C, uh, USB to SPI, but we want in particular uh, USB to UART. And uh, let's apply all. Now, you know, we're doing a design spec, and so I don't really care if it's in stock right now. What I care about is like, can I get it in general? Is it is it normally stocked? It's available. Um, so there's a couple things. So there are some chips that are available right now. Um, you know, the FT2321, uh, sorry, 231. This is from uh, FTDI, classic uh, maker of uh, USB to serial converters. Um, however, you know, I'm kind of uh, interested most in, in pricing. And so I'm going to say, you know what, 500 quantity about how many I buy at a time. Um, what's what's my what's a good bet for pricing? Sort by price, and it's odd. It does not. Oh, maybe because reels are bigger. So let me one second. Do one thousand. Weird. The sort by price is not quite sorting by price. That's a new one. Let me get rid of quantity pricing. This is exciting. Okay. Um, so, uh, still not working. I don't know why. Okay. So the, um, there's Cypress and they make the size uh, 7 c um, series of converters. I use them. Um, they're, you know, about $4 a piece. Um, there's also the, like I mentioned, the um, FT230, also about you know, $2 a piece. Um, the replacement that uh, Scilabs recommends um, is actually one of the ones that's up here, it's, and it's $1.50, so if you're, if you're going for price, and it's, it's close enough, um, there is the CP2102. Now, one thing to watch for the CP2102 is this is, 
unusual. I've never really seen it before, but it's a chip that's available in three packages, but they're all with the same name. So they're all QFNs, but there's a 20 QFN, a 24 QFN, and a 28 QFN. So um, one thing to watch for is, you know, usually I'm like, oh, just use like, you know, the first chunk of the name and then and the, and the, the package, you know, in QFN or TSOP, and then I'll tell you. You actually need to have the full um, part number because this one is the QFN 20, this one is the QFN 24, and this is the QFN 28. So looking at the 24, um, let's show you the thing, because I read through this data sheet. I will find the interesting part. So the good news is like it can go really fast, three megabod, which is nice. Um, there are different GPIO functions for each package. And hold on, there was this cute. Spreadsheet. Charge. Oh, sorry. It's at the very top. Okay. Um, so there's the 28, 24, and 20. And each one has slightly different functionalities. So they're all lead free. Yay. Um, the 20 is the simplest. It doesn't have charger battery detect. It doesn't have VIO and VDD pins, which means you can't have it like 1.8 power. It's, I think, whatever, you know, VDD IO is 3.3 volts, and you kind of have to stick with that. Um, the 24 adds the VIO and VDD pins, and the 28 adds uh, battery charging detection. It has more GPIOs. The battery charge detection is kind of interesting. Um, I, you know, it's kind of, I think for, um, if, if you have something where you want to like determine if you have, um, enough power availability, like it can output to tell you like, yes, you can, you can draw that much power from the charger, uh, from the USB port to charge your battery. Um, the QFN 24 is the one that is closest to the CP 2104 in pinout. It is like 95% the same. It is not 100% the same. The difference is um, there's no VPP pin. So usually on the CP2104, there's a programming pin uh, that you have to put a 10 microfarad capacitor on. You don't need to do that. And the other part that is most important is there is now this requirement for a VBUS divider. This is a, like a detection circuit to tell it when VBUS is connected. Historically, you would wire this up directly to the VBUS pin. Um, you know, they've changed the design. You now have to use a resistor divider. So it's not drop-in compatible. Um, it's, it's a little sad because, you know, I also feel like if it had been like one resistor was needed, you know, you could have like used that VPP capacitor and maybe like rerouted that package, you know, instead of a capacitor, it would have been a resistor and you can route it. But um, for whatever reason, they've, they've changed it so that you, you definitely need to have this resistor divider. So um, in my breakouts, uh, sorry, USB serial, 
you know, so I designed, uh, another thing to note is there's the CP2102 and the CP2102N, also different. You want the N variety. Um, so the good news is that, you know, it's, it's not too bad of a difference. Uh, it's not too different than um, than the CP2104. Um, you know, I've in this design, I've added uh, these two resistors that VBUS detect over here. And you can see in the previous design, this is where the um, the VPP capacitor was. Like this is kind of an empty space. I deleted that and sort of shoved these wires down to make room for these two resistors. So that said, um, you know, it's, I wish it was drop-in replacement. It's not, but they're going to have it in stock, you know, in a month. It's about the same price as a CP2104. You do have to do a slight respin, but um, all in all, it's not a bad respin. And so, like, you know, you'll have to pay for another stencil and another program if you're, if you're doing your assembly. But I'm pretty confident that functionally you're going to have the same you know, functionality and support that you had with the CP2104, whereas jumping to a different USB serial converter, I'll say each one of them has its own little quirks. Um, the Scilabs ones are a little, uh, have different quirks than the FTDI ones, which have different quirks than the Cypress. So I'm probably just going to move um, to uh, this, you know, version. And I do like the QFN package. I know there's other USB serial converters that come in like TSOP. But this is so nice and compact and, and it's so reliable. I really like that you can go at high baud rates and it's consistent. I like the LED drivers and, and it doesn't do weird things when you plug it in. Sometimes other chips, you know, like pins start toggling uh, kind of funky when you plug it in. Um, but this one is, is very reliable and so I, I like it. So I'm going to have to re-spin about 10 different boards from the CP21 to the CP2102. Ah, it's what it is. Uh, we're living in this land, but um, when they come back into stock, I'm going to order some samples and get those boards designed. So All that's right. a great search. Hopefully helpful for others lacking the uh, CP2104s in this silicon shortage life we have. Where in the world is that part I need? The Great Search with DJ Alright, that's the Desk of Lady Ada this week. We got a bounce. Okay, everybody. All right, we'll see everybody during the week. Shows Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. All That's right. this week. Tune in. It's keep a full an week. eye on the socials and more. And uh, thanks for joining us this time, everybody. That is your Desk of Lady Ada. Thanks, everybody.